Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Commas Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today on the podcast, we have on Erin Bailey, She's actually my manager. She is the founder of Momentum Management. She is a runner based in New York City. She also comes down to San Diego often because her boyfriend lives here. So I see her all the time here in San Diego. But she's also a creator herself on Instagram and TikTok. And in today's episode, I wanted to talk about, you know, being a creator, starting your own business, the pros, the cons. We cover a lot of different topics, especially in the running world. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Right on the podcast with Aaron. Um, to get started, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi. Um, my name is Aaron Bailey. I currently live in New York, splitting time between New York and San Diego. Uh, been in the brand marketing world for the last 10 years or so. Um, and about a year ago, split off and started my own agency, my own business, Momentum, which is kind of how we met. Um, so yeah, so now I'm the founder, CEO, which is very fun to say, um, of this talent management brand marketing agency. We work at the intersection of impact and influence, which is great. Um, I'm a runner. I have two cats. I like croissants and from North Carolina. Also, I should have started this zoom call and like the text thread that we had earlier. I saw that it was your birthday today. And it's my birthday today. Oh my gosh. I felt so bad when I saw that. And I just forgot again until you started talking. I was like, wait, it's her birthday today. So happy birthday. Thanks for spending your birthday with me. Thank you um, so much. On the podcast. You could have said no today. We could have done it another time. I don't want to take up your time. I love it. This is the fun stuff. No, I, this is, I would love to spend an hour with you on my birthday. This is so fun. Yeah, I love this. I wish um you were here in San Diego. Because Aaron, Aaron's boyfriend lives in San Diego, so I get to see her often, which is nice. And like in New York and San Diego, it's like two good cities to be able to split time in. It's like the best of both. Like I get the energy and the like excitement of New York and then I need a break and I just like chill in San Diego, like total zen out. It's so fun. Yeah. And it's like the perfect, like even weather wise, just the perfect getaway when it just gets really bad in New York in the winter and in the summer, you're like, oh, let's go to San Diego, a good in between exactly exactly it's the best but you're you're gonna be in san diego for the entire summer right and we're gonna hang out all summer (laughs) why why are you coming here just like to uh escape the city i guess i feel like everyone does leave during the summer so everyone leaves yeah i feel like everyone's in the like hamptons for the summer and i'm gonna go to the west coast um yeah and like you know it's it's nice to split time but i've just been traveling so much that it'll be nice to be like planted a little bit um and jameson just got a dog so gonna go play dog mom um and yeah just kind of hang out the beach for the summer no no specific reason but why not hey that's a perk of working for yourself too you can do whatever you like which is nice exactly freedom freedom baby um okay well I want to talk about like how did you get into the running world like did you grow up a runner um how did you cement yourself in this scene I I'm actually I feel really new to the scene really Uh, yeah like I grew up playing like tennis and soccer tennis is actually like my main sport and probably didn't start like I like kind of impromptu ran the Boston Marathon in 2017 like literally was not a runner and it was one of those like couch to marathon type of people um and I didn't get into like running in a consistent way until COVID which is like kind of everyone's story like I ran a little bit but um much more was in the like group fitness scene like I taught group fitness taught boxing taught hit all that kind of stuff and the running world and the fitness world are like really different if you're in it you know um 
so yeah, COVID hit gyms shut down and all I had was, you know, running shoes. And, um, the company I was working with at the time gave us like a health and wellness perk. So we had like, you know, 200 bucks or whatever a month to spend on something. And I couldn't, I didn't need a Peloton. So I spent it on a running coach. And so that's when I hired Mary Johnson, who's still my coach, who I love and really just hired her. Cause I, one had the monthly allotment, which was great. And then just wanted to like build consistency in my running. Like I had no real endurance, like I'm much more of a, if anything, I'm more of a speed person. So, um, so yeah, that was about two, almost two and a half years ago, we started working together and literally the first, like almost the first year we worked together, like I didn't even do any races. It was really just to like build a base. Um, and then once I felt like I really had a good base and I also started to enjoy running, then I started, you know, doing a little bit more racing. And now I'm like a little bit more like intense about it. Um, but that's kind of how I got started. And then it's like the, so I'm, I now like work in it. I live in it. My community's in it, my friends in it, but all of that's like pretty new. It's in the past couple of years, which is wild. Yeah. I feel like I never would have guessed that. I feel like because you are so cemented in it and like, a lot of the people even like in San Diego that I know know who you are, which kind of makes sense. But yeah, it's just funny because I, I would never guess that you got into it during COVID. How did you find a coach though? Because it's like, it can be really overwhelming looking for coaching online. Like I don't even know where I'd be in. And I get that question all the time. Totally. So I guess actually one part of the story I kind of left out and literally forgot about is I also used to work for ASICs. So oh. part I also like, but I wasn't really running when I was at ASICs. Um, but I think, so I had like, contacts in the running world from that experience and I was they actually pulled me in as more of like the fitness and marketing brain because they were trying to create another app um, adjacent to run keeper so it also kind of stemmed from that as an aside but I found Mary because I used to um, run brand marketing over at beam and she was actually one of the partners we worked with at beam um, and so I knew who she was then and knew she was a running coach and we worked with her as an influencer so um, I had worked with actually a couple coaches. I had kind of randomly worked with this one coach who works for New York Roadrunners when I ran Boston. And he actually just reached out to me and wanted, there's a New York Roadrunners like virtual coaching program. And he just introduced that to me. So I'd worked with him once. And then I had worked with a coach um, through a local running studio in Boston, My Stride, um, Rachel Lavoy, who was amazing. And she coached me through one of the half marathons I did. Um, and then, and then I had reached out to Mary. So yeah, I feel like there's so many different online coaches. I think the thing that really, like, I really loved about Mary is because like one, she has a team of coaches. So it's nice that like, it's not just her. There's a lot of other different people you can work with. If there's a coach you want with a certain expertise level or whatever, she can kind of prior you with the right people. Um, but she also was like really honest with me about like her coaching style. Like she's not on me. She's much more of an accountability partner. She understands life happens. Like it just really fit with what I was kind of looking for. Like, I'm not trying to do a sub three hour marathon. Like that's not my MO. Um, she's much more like a lifestyle coach and was just like honest about being like a female in the running sport and how to like run with your cycle and just lots of things like that, that just resonated. So I just love her and like all of her coaches have been so awesome. Yeah. I feel like that makes a lot of sense too, because a lot of people after college, like, I don't know, or if you're getting into it, a lot of people don't need someone that's like so intense is going to beat you up for not running. Right. <laughs> people do want that, but especially like women in the running world. I just, I don't think any, like, even if you yell at me, that's not going to motivate me to go out for my run. Yeah. You know? I don't, I hate the David Goggins like style. That's just like not. I'll, okay. The David Goggins stuff, I will say like, I do it internally to myself sometimes, but mm. I don't need a David Goggins screaming in my ear at four in the morning. Like that's not what I'm looking for. That's not know? the point. Totally. Yeah. I think people like, I think people think, oh, I'm not fast enough to get a coach or like, I'm not good enough to get a running coach. But I was like, it's, it's just like a plan. Like, it's nice that I'm an accountability partner. Like I, I know how to run, but someone just like programs out what I'm going to do. And I just get to like wake up in the morning and just follow the plan. And it's just nice. It's thoughtless. I don't think about it. I can progress towards my goals. If I skip a run, not a big deal. It's just, it makes running more fun for me because it's like, I'm doing something and it's like moving my life forward. Yeah. You know? No, that makes a ton of sense because it's the, it removes the decision fatigue you get out of like having to schedule your own runs. 
And it right. is like accountability too, but there is something to be said about not having to think about what you're going to do that day. Even um, if it's like a four mile run. She's yeah, like, but it's like, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're training yourself, it's like, okay, do I run four miles or like six miles today? Like, I don't know. Like it just stress. I don't know. At least I get stressed out, you know, if I don't have a coach and I, it, I just think way too much about it. I think. I also think like, I mean, and you're the same, you work for yourself. Like there's just a bajillion decisions I have to make all day long to not have to make that decision feels awesome. Yes, exactly. And so if I can hire that out, I'm going to do it because I love that. Yeah. I, I, one of the hardest parts about the job of being a social media influencer, which there are some cons, there are. is just not having anyone tell me what to do ever. Like it just becomes exhausting. Like I wake up a lot of the days and I'm just like, someone please just write a plan for me and make me do it because literally I can't, I just get so tired. The decision fatigue, it's exhausting. And it's just something that I can't really explain unless you like been there because people, ah, it's it sounds like such a first world problem. No. Okay. It's so true though. And I actually like, I thought about this for the first time when I worked at B, I know I'm mentioning them a lot. When I worked at Beam, which was now like three years ago, I was employee number like three there. And this, it was, wait, is Beam like the, the CBD company? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Love them. I yeah, still love take- them. Love their stuff. I have so much of their stuff in my cabinet. It's so good. It's so good. Um. So yeah, I met Matt and Kevin, the two co-founders early on, and they hired a couple of us all at one time. So we were like OG employees, which was one of the funnest experiences ever. Um, and I was there for two years. And like the thing I learned there, because I, I went from ASICs to to Beam. And so it was like, you had to learn how to build your own momentum. And I know that's like, sounds kind of cheesy, but I think that's what like in a startup and working for yourself and like any of these small businesses, like that's actually the key. And if you don't know how to do that or you don't enjoy doing that, like do not go work for yourself. Don't go work for a startup because like that's the whole job. Like every day is like, what am I going to do today to like move my business forward or my platform forward or this project forward? Like you have to do that constantly and it is exhausting. And some days it's really fun and you're like, hell yeah, let's go do this thing. And, and a lot of days you're like, shit. Yeah. I'm holding myself accountable and that's it. Yeah. I think, yeah. The, is that how you came up with the name momentum management because of that, that thought? Um, not just that thought. I actually was like, this is a whole other story you don't need to go into, but I was actually like writing this book um, that I was called, that book I was called was like building momentum. And the whole premise is like, maybe this is like a life mantra I have, but it's like, you build the momentum of your life in like these little tiny decisions. And I think we like to think it happens in these big moments and it doesn't, it happens in like little decisions you make every single day. And like those decisions, those moments add up to like the momentum of your life. And so that's like a piece of the premise of the book. And when I was starting the agency, like I wanted it to feel like I was really helping people with influence make world positive change. And that happens in small moments and everyday things. And so I lo- I just love that concept and kind of held on to it and um, also named the agency a little bit on a whim, but that's kind of the, <laughs> that's kind of the foundation of it. So what were like those little daily decisions that you were making to like what I guess what fuels your momentum? Of course, that's such a hard question now. <laughs> um, I think little decisions for me are like I was kind of talking about this on social last week of like what are my daily non-negotiables, and for me it's like I need forty-five minutes in the morning all to myself to do nothing. Like I will literally drink coffee on my couch with my cats and like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want meetings. I don't want to rush out the door for a workout. Like I need 45 minutes to like do whatever the hell I want. And sometimes it's reading. Sometimes it's journaling. Sometimes it's meditating when I'm like being good. And sometimes it's pulling Instagram, but like, it's my 45 minutes. Right. Um, so it's like, that's my, like me protected morning time. Um, daily movement is a big one for me. So like a daily run or even a walk or a bike ride, like something, um, coffee is a little one for me. Um, but I think of it in like these little tiny things. And then another one is like, I like to have a moment of connection every single day. And that can be like, I'm calling somebody like my parents or a loved one or whatever, or having a coffee date. Cause again, like working for yourself, it's a lot of solo time. Um, and I've started to challenge myself to also make it not only with someone I know, but with someone I don't know, like a moment of connection with a stranger. And that could be like, 
someone in the street or I just strike up a conversation or like in a coffee shop or whatever. Um, but those little like touch points of connection I've realized are like really powerful for me. And I'm, I get so much more out of the ones from people I don't know that where I feel like I'm sparking a positive moment for them and for myself. And that feels like a little electric. So I like that. I like a hundred percent agree with that. I feel like you explained it really well too. I didn't really start realizing that, um, the power of like, I don't know, having a conversation with strangers or just like meeting someone new, um, out and about until a couple years ago. Like I, especially the first couple years I was self-employed, I feel like I had no social interaction at all. Like I wasn't going to any run clubs. I wasn't really doing anything. I spent so much time alone and I didn't realize like how much I was taking a toll on my mental headspace until honestly, I feel like it was like a year or two ago when I just like started going and like just being a little bit more outgoing in my general area and just like striking up conversations with people in coffee shops and then especially going to PB run club and just like really putting myself out of my comfort zone. Um, or even when I was living in New York, like just going to like Brooklyn track club or something, going somewhere where I didn't know anyone and just being forced to like have those connections. I realized that I too need to have at least one moment every day where I get some sort of social interaction, preferably from a stranger, because it just makes me feel better, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, (laughs) I don't really even know why it's just so different than like having a conversation with my sisters. You know, I I talk to them every day, but there's something about that's like, so powerful about just going out and going to a coffee shop and like striking up a conversation with a new person. Even though if you'll never, if even if I never see that person ever again, just well, having a conversation, I don't know what it is, but it's and it's like kind of hard to do. Like I find it is to like talk myself into it. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like a little pep talk. I'm like, all right, let's let's go let's go find some. See, what, what I was what I was thinking why I like it is very powerful to me because it's like kind of nerve-wracking to yeah. like talk to a stranger. So I think the adrenaline rush I get from forcing myself to have a conversation with some random person, it's it's like the dopamine I think I get a little bit from like the adrenaline rush. Maybe that's why I find it so positive in terms of like my mood and stuff. And so now beneficial to me. But yeah, it's just it is very nerve-wracking, even though nothing bad has ever come and like everyone's been very nice so but for whatever reason it always is yeah I used to do this thing I have this like audio guided like 5k run coaching program on Runkeeper, and in some of the audio runs like I would give people these little like challenges to do because I think especially as new runners so much of what you're trying to do is like distract yourself from what you're actually doing right like just yeah. keeping you mentally in the game of moving forward and running and so I'd give them these like like hello or good morning challenges. And it would literally be like every single runner you pass, I want you to like make eye contact and say hi. And like, again, I'm recording these like in a black studio, right? Like I I don't know what people are doing or not doing. And the amount of like DMs I would get, Facebook messages I would get and people being like, I said hi to like six people today that made me feel so good. And like, and then I met my neighbors because I said hi this one time and now I have this connection. And that's like, I think we just forget that it's so simple and like sometimes we need that motivation from someone else again telling us what to do. We love that. Um, but it just like feels so good. And I feel like every time I do that, like whatever energy spark, like I feel it all day. You know, like it's not just in that moment. It's like the whole day is better if I get to meet a stranger. It's so odd. Yeah. And the same thing goes with like when I see, I don't know, if a girl's wearing like a super cute outfit, I have to say that I like it. I have to compliment the stranger. Because it's like, who doesn't like getting a compliment, I don't know, when they're out in public? And that's like creepy. Like, Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you're not going to be creepy. Don't let like a compliment go, you know, unspoken. I feel like that's the whole, I don't know, that's just part of the human connection. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I want, that's like, I feel like that's a go-to too, where you can be like, find something and you can totally compliment it. Exactly. Like, especially if you, if you need that, you know, daily dose of social interaction, you yeah. can make it up. You can make it up. You could just, you could see someone out in public. Eat her shoes. <laughs> okay. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> if you don't find her shoes cute, but just like, you know, yeah, her shirt, if she's wearing like a, you know, a somewhat normal shirt, you'd be like, I really like your shirt. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just insane. No, that's what we do. That's what yeah, we do. But it's an icebreaker. It's a great icebreaker. Yeah. Everyone down. Take the compliment, run with it. It's really helpful. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Well, <laughs> now that's life advice on how to get social interaction uh, from to people that are self-employed from the experts over here. Work in our like studio, one bedroom apartments. Jesus. Yeah, I literally have talked to like one person all day. So um. <laughs> I just came from a coffee meeting, so I had my moment of interaction already. Okay, now you have an hour or two of. Uh... <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be exhausted at the end of this day. Well, it's kind of tiring, like having conversations. It's I don't know why people do these like four hour long podcasts. I was like, I'd be so tired because I get off. I'm like, I need a nap. Exactly. So even lot. though it's just a conversation. <laughs> We're not even showing you our faces. I wouldn't survive back in the day, you know? I really wouldn't. Living just, in like a commune. Yeah, or just like, you know, I can't even have a conversation without having to take a nap. That's embarrassing, you know? <laughs> I feel like that's also like a post-COVID thing. Like, I feel like I had more social stamina four years ago. Yeah, no, that could be it. Or maybe we're just getting older. I don't know. Both. It's for sure. <laughs> but older. The gray hairs are coming. I still... <laughs> Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, okay, well, I'm curious because obviously you've started your own company and everything. You have a lot of background and other stuff, but like, how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to start my own business because it's a very, it's like risky endeavor and it takes a lot of energy mentally um, yep. and money too. A lot of the time it's just risky. So totally. So I, I had, so semi medium long story, basically two years ago, I had left the role I was at really with like the intention of wanting to do more purpose-driven work. Like I had, was just really feeling it that like I needed to do something a little bit more, had no idea what that was kind of left on a whim. And when I left, I had an idea for something in this space, like something to really support influencers, people with influence, like to do something more with their communities. I didn't know what that was. And so I ended up, you know, taking other jobs, doing other things. And then last summer, um, I just had some, like, I had some friends and I had some people that like had these influencer, these, (laughs) they were influencers, had these communities, didn't know how to monetize them, didn't really know how to work with brands, didn't know how to like best utilize them. Um, the algorithms were changing and a lot of people were kind of blowing up quickly. And my sister and I were fleshing out this like agency idea. Um, and I kind of just like on a whim was like, I'm just going to dive in and start this agency and support some of my friends, um, and some early adopters and then like figure it out. Um, so it was, it was like, a little bit of a long time coming. Like I knew something, I've been in this space for a long time. I've been running influencer programs for other brands, literally built them from the ground up when influencers wasn't a thing 10 years ago. Like I've been doing this running social, like for brands for 10 years. So I, I, and I've had a micro following on my own. So I've known both sides of this for a long time um, and really didn't feel like there was an agency that was doing it well for influencers in the middle, especially for influencers in like the movement space and really, running was an accidental niche down that I'm really grateful happened. So, you know, I started the agency, signed a couple of influencers and pretty quickly it just kind of took off, which was really lucky and nice that I was like from an early on, like there was just a need. Um, so I signed, you know, the first three influencers week one. Um, and then month two, we had a massive month and I was full-time in the agency. It all just like was a leap of faith happened pretty quickly. I kind of was like, I'll give myself three months, six months. Let's see what we can do. Um, and if nothing happens, I go get another job. Like it's, it didn't feel like that big of a deal for me. And I think also, cause I'd worked in a lot of startups before, like that risk factor in their career wasn't scary for me. I was kind of used to taking some of those risks and really felt like I had enough of a community and a network that would catch me if I fell, um, which would have been failing. But really in the beginning, I just... Like I really hustled. I I called everyone I knew that I think potentially helped me, every brand I'd ever worked with, every creator I'd ever worked with, and like just asked for help and asked for advice and pitched my ideas and and people gave advice. And some of it was really helpful and some of it 
I realized wasn't where I wanted the agency to go, which was also helpful because it made me figure out what I really wanted it to be. And over the last, we're like 10 months in now, which is mind blowing. Like I've, it's changed a lot and it's really different than how I thought it was going to start, but it's the most fun I've ever had working. And we now work with 12 creators, yourself being one of them. And it's just fun. Like all the people are amazing. The brands we get to work with are so fun. It's in a space that I'm in. Like, it's just, you know, it's like, it's all the things I love. And now I get to like, do it for a job. It's the luckiest. How was it different than when you first started? Um, I think when I first started, there was just a lot of little things I didn't no, I don't think I knew how to manage influencers, manage managing brands. Like I thought I was going to do like creators in a lot of different niches. So I'd have like pockets of people all over. Um, and what basically happened is it just was referrals. Some creators were like, we really like working with Aaron. Like you should talk to my friend. And so then I ended up having like all of my creators run all of them, some of them like running as the secondary thing they do, but they still run marathons or run whatever, like everyone runs. And I'd say 10 of the 12 are like runners, like run creators, like that type of thing. So that was not intentional at all. Um, but that I love, I think the other part was, I wasn't entirely sure what like agencies, two things it's half brand or half talent management, half like brand consulting. And I didn't really know what the brand consulting piece would be. And I really wanted there to be some impact driven work there, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, so I, I took on some early kind of consulting gigs that were supporting kind of CPG brands, um, some food brands, things like that, just because it was work and I needed to get going and get some experience and, um, get clients and stuff. And now we really slimmed down that piece and we really only work with, um, right now we work with some race groups and bringing creators, which is really fun. Um, and we work with, we, we just signed, which we're about to announce, we work with Planned Parenthood. So we manage Planned Parenthood's marathon team from New York, which is like the dream project, the dream goal, getting to have movement and running, which I think is so powerful with like working for reproductive freedom and causes like I personally really care about. And I built the agency to stand on that kind of ground is, um, is great. So I think it's, it's really like developing into what I want it to be at that intersection. Um, but that stuff also just takes, it just takes time. Yeah. I mean, you're still like super new to it, even though 10 months seems like a long time. I'm like, 10 months is not that long in terms of like, I don't know, working for yourself and starting something from the ground up. Like I, like I've been basically self-employed, um, minus some little jobs here and there, but like since 2019 and I cannot believe that it's been over four years now that it actually makes me want to throw up because time time's gone by so fast now I'm like okay I guess I'm not like new to this now it's like I'm cemented in it you know so I think that you're in it for 10 months I'm like that is fresh because I look at myself yeah I look at myself like 10 months after I went full-time though it's like different because obviously you have your own like full business and people that you're managing I was managing me myself and I but I feel like 10 months into it I don't know I just I learned so much more over the years after that that it'll be interesting to see like how uh it even changes more so like I don't know a year from now or yeah two years in I mean and it's so true because I think you like I mean there were just basic things I was learning about like business operations and like taxes and accounting and like things you kind of thought I knew working in a startup thought I I thought I would be more prepared for this. And I was so not prepared for this in a great way. Cause I don't think you ever can be. So I feel like that's nice. And I also had to make decisions of like, am I trying to build an agency? That's really just like, it's only just going to be me. And I, and I, so I'm growing it to a point and that's it. Or do I want to build an agency that's really like beyond me? So it's not just like Aaron's agency. It's like, a thing that can live outside of who I am. And those are also decisions I had to make. So now, which I've made and I've hired people and it's becoming that, but that's also a whole other learning factor and hiring is very difficult and learning how to like give someone something else that I built is very difficult. I'm a little bit of a control freak in that, which I didn't expect, like just little things you don't even think about that are going to come up, come up all the time that you have to figure out. 
And it's just like different set of skills. Like being someone's boss is completely different than being your own boss. Telling someone what to do is like, I don't know. I don't think it's something like when I think of a, I don't know. Obviously, I I guess I consider myself an entrepreneur, but yeah. I don't have, or I guess I'm not interested in, you know, I think I could build a skill set. I just don't think I'm interested in building like a giant empire of anything. Like, I think I just liked it. You know, I'll have like editors here and there um, or like a manager per se, but like in terms of having like full businesses with people that work underneath them and like you're the CEO, I'm like, that overwhelms me so much. And I think I'm just so content in my little tiny, like, like if I were to start an agency, I think I would be content with it just being me. And I don't know why. I think just like one of it, like part of it being that I don't really think I ever saw myself as an entrepreneur. That So the fact that I'm even doing this yeah. is crazy. Like, I I guess I I'm a, I could be a leader, but I wouldn't say I'm a naturally born like leader, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. So, but for you, like you, I, you said that you made the decision you wanted to be beyond yourself. How big do you want the agency to be? Oh my God, I have no idea. Um, that's too big of a question. Maybe yeah. <laughs> steps. I think like going back to what you said for a second, I also think that's such an important point where I feel like we're also in this culture of like bigger is better and more and constantly wanting to like make it all these things and have hundreds of thousands of followers. And it's like, you have an incredibly dedicated like community. Like they fucking love you. And like you do such a good job cultivating that and connecting with them and like whether it's 30,000 or a hundred thousand, I very much believe you'd have the same community, but like, I love that you're not like, I want to be the biggest and the best and whatever. You're like, I'm just doing this thing. That's authentically me and people can come and be a part of it or not. And I think like you do that so incredibly beautiful and beautifully. And I think like more, I wish more creators and entrepreneurs like had that similar mindset of just like, this is who I am and what I want to do. And I'm not trying to be anything else. And I don't need to be the biggest and make the most money and whatever, like you're rushing it. And I think that's so awesome. And I think for us, you know, I, I, I think I would be happy with it going in lots of different directions. I guess I'll say that. I think I don't, I like having other projects and doing other things. I still do some fitness modeling. I still do some of my own content creation. So I think it's nice that the agency doesn't live and die with me because then I don't have to say no to these other things. Like I don't have to be on set and not be responding to emails. Like I can have people to support. And so I can have more balance, I think is what's important to me. I think if it grows to an agency, that's 50 employees, that would be mind boggling to me. Um, But at the same time, maybe it does. Maybe that's where life goes and that's where it takes. And I'm, I'd be super excited about that. Maybe it's myself and my two people now. And that's also great. So yeah. Again, you're fresh into it. The fact that you're already hiring people, that's impressive to me. So it's nuts. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, But yeah, I mean, like you said about, I don't know, being an influencer, like, yeah, people, I feel like always want more followers, more money, whatever. But it's like, I think I'm just a more happiness driven and I don't think like if I became famous I would be any happier I guess like and I think I've reached a point just by like diversifying my platforms and I don't know just learning how to make money on online I think I've reached a point of like stability where I feel so good and I'm able to live the life I want to live um like financially that it just is I don't know I just don't feel a need to like become famous which is nice because I feel like that I don't know. The phrase, I feel like more money, more problems is definitely true. And the same with like more, more followers, probably more problems as well. There's obviously like a lot of perks too, but the just, I feel like you lose a little bit of your peace when the bigger and the more people like know about you, you definitely lose some of that peace. So I don't really have like an intense desire. If it happens, it happens. Me and Allie on the run talked about this when she was on too. It's like, if it, if we blow up, we blow up um, and we'll, you know, ride that wave. But like, I don't know, just not really follower hungry. And it makes it a lot more enjoyable that way too. I was going to say, if you were constantly searching for the next and searching for the bigger, like it wouldn't be fun and you wouldn't still be doing it. You probably would have burnt out at some point or like you've been in this game for a long time in a really sustainable way, which is the dream. Like that's actually what people are chasing. And I don't think they realize that they're chasing that when they want to start becoming creators. 
Oh, for sure. That's why. Okay. I kind of want to talk about that too, because so many people ask me about like how to get into content creation, especially now that TikTok is a thing, because it's just a lot easier and less daunting than a YouTube or something. Um, and the algorithm is much more favorable than if you started a YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, I mean, well, I like one of the questions I wanted to talk about was like the difference between going viral and like building a brand for yourself. Like, I don't know, because I feel like anyone can go viral pretty much if you really think about how to be big and bold on TikTok or whatever. But there's a difference between doing that and then building a sustainable brand over time. Like, what do you think? Um, I guess, how would someone build a sustainable brand? Yeah, well, because I think the. I think the point is people so seek going viral because they think it's going to help them build the brand when you need to build the brand and then going viral will help you. But if you, if you, for example, when I started my TikTok, I pretty much did it to try and figure out how to do it for the brand I was working for. Like it wasn't really for myself. I was posting like cat videos. They were really funny if you go back in the archives, but I had an early video of this, like whatever Chick-fil-A riff thing I did that went viral has over 4 million views. I got zero followers from it because there wasn't anything for someone to follow. So I think like you need to think about how you want to show up online first and what value you want to add and what type of community you want to build and create content for those things that also feels fun for you. And then when you do it authentically and play the game for whatever platform you're on, like chances are you will go viral at some point. It'll just happen, right? And you don't, it'll be the video you don't think will go viral will be the one that pops off. And then once you have a platform of content that people can understand who you are and what you're about, that's when that viral moment will really support you. So I'd say like one of the first things I typically tell people, if you're start one, if you want to be a content creator, like literally just start creating. Like all of your stuff in the beginning is going to be terrible and it's going to be cringy and you're not going to like it. Everyone goes through it. Like you just need to practice creating and like by practicing, you start to find your voice and your style and it has to be about your lens and your point of view. And that's the whole point. Everything you're going to say has most likely already been said in one form or the other online. Like it's just about the way that you're saying it and you're presenting it and you have to leave it at that. So in the beginning, I'd say like, I'd actually follow less creators, like don't consume as much, really focus on the value you want to put out there, put out a ton of content, practice doing it. I'd say pick one or two platforms, keep it super simple um, and just start putting it out there and doing it and then slowly start to find what you like about it, find what you don't like about it. And then maybe start to follow some more people and find a community within it. But like really hone your craft first and then focus on getting everybody else involved. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And also talking about like having a purpose of being on the internet, I feel like is so important. Like you can't just, I don't know, people say that they want to become creators, but you need to have some sort of value, like you said, that you're bringing to an audience of people, especially nowadays. Like there's just so many people on the internet. You so just, yeah, you, you have to bring something of value, whether that's, there's like three tiers or something. It's like education, entertainment, and something else I forgot, but you just have to be providing value to people um, and yeah. really love what you do. And creating like the act of creating content. And I feel like it makes it a lot easier to be consistent. Like you said, like you can't even worry about going viral off the bat. Like you were talking about, it just has to, it yeah. won't help. It won't matter. And that's not the point. And I think like you have to have a deep why otherwise, like what's like, what are you literally, what are you doing it for? Like, I, I think there's just so many, it, it feels so accessible now and so many people are doing it, but we were kind of talking about this on Dana's podcast a couple of weeks ago of like, people can almost tell when you're putting something out there just to put something out there. When you're putting something out with intention and like you feel excited about it, like is typically when content does better. Like you can tell that there's a message or a voice or a point of view or even like a lightness to it. It's like when you're forcing it so much is when like your content just also won't, it just won't perform because people, I swear to God, people can tell. They can feel it from you. Yeah, of course. Or if you're doing a direct copy of someone else's content because you think it's going to go viral or or whatever, you yeah. yeah, you just have to really like be in tune with yourself, the reason that you're on the internet and what you want to contribute to the internet. 
in a positive way. And I feel like, yeah, just being authentic and being yourself, I feel like makes a huge difference. And just not caring about the money at the beginning either, because the money doesn't come for a while, most of the time. Unless you're really, really lucky. And for some reason, or you have like an amazing personality and people, everyone all of a sudden just wants to follow you. Like for the majority of creators that I know and that I've met over time, the money has not come right away. It just takes a lot of time of like consistency on the internet. And the majority of creators are not full-time creators. Yeah. I, think I need to see that. Like the even the majority of the creators we represent have full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Like very few are full-time creators. And if they are, they're like yourself where they have diversified their platform and diversified yeah, their especially like TikTokers. I don't know that many TikTokers that are full-time TikTokers unless money in TikTok. Yeah. I mean, not yet, but it's just like way newer. Like YouTube, you have like Google AdSense and everything. And I don't know, people are more in tune with but uh, even brandies, like brand, yeah. brands aren't paying as much for TikTok as they are for Instagram, YouTube or blog. So that's also, even if you have hundreds of thousands of followers, like because of the way the platform is set up, those followers don't mean as much to how well your content performs. So that's not necessarily what a brand is even paying for in a way that YouTube and Instagram, like your follower account means a little bit more to how your content could perform. Yeah. Not the algorithms changed a lot lately, but even that. So yeah, I mean, you can't be one. I don't think you should do anything to go chase the money because creating is definitely not it, <laughs> but that's not you need to have a message, have a purpose, have a message. I often tell people to like have a mission statement so that like you can come back to something either every single day when you're creating or once a month or gut check or whatever, like know what you're doing, how you're showing up. And like, does your content still fit into that mission statement? Just like a nice little gut check. And on the opposite side, I also tell people like, when you're choosing to be a creator, you're choosing to like live a public life. And I don't think people also realize that decision they're making because it seems really fun. And there's parts of it that are really fun. And there's also parts of it that are like really invasive. And if you don't intentionally share, then you will overshare and you can't pull back from that. So like in the same way, thinking about what are the types of things you want to talk about, you need to equally think about all the things you don't want to talk about. Um, and, and, know that there are people in your life that may not want to be a part of your public life or that, you know, stories that might relate to them, but they don't want you to tell them, right. Or your relationship, like whatever that is. Like, I think all of those things need to be thought about and need to be really intentional um, because it's really fun to overshare right now. And you're seeing it happen all the time and that's how people pop off. And then you're seeing people reel it back and it's, that's life-changing information. You might've just shared on the internet. I I have never talked about that like aspect of it, but it is so true. And I feel like you almost have to have a sense of, obviously you have to probably have conversations with people in your life, but I also feel like you have to have a sense of emotional intelligence about it where, you know, if you know that your friends don't like being on the internet, like don't talk about them on the internet, don't have them in your videos, don't yeah. force them to be like a part of this journey, you know, that you're on. And I feel like that's something I've had to navigate over the years, like even you know, my friends that are professional runners, like some of them don't like social media. So what I'm not going to go, you know, film them from in a part of my YouTube video, if I know that they don't like being on the internet, just so that I get a little bit of clout, you know, it's not worth it. Um, Because a lot of people don't want that public life. And it makes a lot of sense. Like, like I said, more, uh, more fame, more problems, you know, having your life out on the internet, uh, it's, it definitely creates a lot of like other things that I don't think people really know about. Yeah. It just is just different, but. And I think you just need to have that conversation. And I don't think people always do that. Like even in the beginning, I didn't like when it was just Instagram and I also didn't have much of a following earlier on, but I was like, I remember when like stories came out and I'd like post stories of my sister and like, you know, put whatever captions I thought were funny, but like, she didn't like it and she didn't think it was funny. And she'd be like, stop doing that. But like, I didn't take it seriously because I didn't understand all those things. Right. And so I think just like, and again, it wasn't that big of a deal and like, she's fine, but like, it's just all of those things that you need to like, I'm just laughing because I literally always post ugly pictures on my story of my siblings. Like they're like, stop doing that. And like, it's funny. And like, we don't think it's funny, but I'm like, and then they're like, what would happen if I posted that on my story? I was like, I wouldn't care. Post an ugly pic on the story. But like, but like you said, it's like, maybe I don't care, but I know other people do. So I should probably stop posting ugly pictures of my <laughs> sisters on the internet. They actually hate it. And they're, again, everything's fine. 
And I think it's funny, but I think it's gotten to a point where I, I should probably actually stop because I don't think they like it very much. <laughs> you should have a real conversation with them about that. I probably should. <laughs> like, I, I think my family's the cutest and they are so incredibly supportive of my agency and my job and social life and everything. And, um, and they've now gotten to a point where they're like really good about supporting specific things. So like I had them do, we did like a fit check before the Turkey trot this year. And we're all wearing our like, you know, 5k Turkey trot outfits. And like the video did so well because they were just like so cute and humble and not like the normal running fitness community or whatever, but like, I had to like ask them, you know, like, Hey, we're going to put this on our TikTok or whatever. Are we okay with that? And it was just funny. Cause I'm like, I wouldn't have done that three years ago. Like I wouldn't have asked, just would have like, you know, trolled them or whatever. And so yeah. people generally want to support you. So most of the time they'll be pretty helpful, but it's nice to always just, you know, consent is important. Yeah. I think, uh, my family's just so fed up with me at this point because I've been doing it for so long. Like they already know what's coming. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. When they hang out with me, they're probably going to get posted on the internet. I might be and if I just whip out my phone and I'm just you know recording myself like they have no reaction yeah or if I was you know on a holiday just started um making a TikTok like they would have to go with it they don't even ask any questions because they already know what's coming you know it's also nice like it's just not to have to constantly be like time for the TikTok guys or like we have to do this thing. Like I have friends too that would also be like so annoyed when I would do that stuff. You well, that's know, what so I mean, like, that's what I'm talking about. Emotional intelligence. It's like if I go into a room and I know these people, a lot of them like don't even have social media or they are not active on social media. I'm like, I'm not gonna be filming a TikTok when I'm with my friends that yeah. aren't like creators, I guess, most of the time. Cause it's it first of all, it's cringe and it's kind of embarrassing. And it's like, read the room, Emma, you know? So that's so um, funny. Okay, well. Another thing I want to talk about, like if, I don't know, there are creators out there that do have followings or um, even like outside of the running world, whatever, but how to know like when to start monetizing the content? I'd say, okay, there's a lot of ways you could do it. The way I would do it is I would really focus on building a community organically, authentically, not sell them anything until I hit at least 15K on kind of whatever platform, but I'm specifically more thinking around like Instagram, um, like build at least a solid community that cares about your opinion and likes your recommendations and you have a connection with them and you know who they are too and what they care about. And then I think you could probably start, even that's like a little early, I would probably do a little bit later, but I probably started monetizing my account around then. Um, and then you could probably start doing some brand deals and I would just do things like in the beginning that you just freaking love. Like you absolutely love, you for sure already pay for, and then reach out to some of those brands um, and start early on. And I'd also say like, when brands start reaching out to you is also a good time. You know, if it's things that again, all the time, but especially in the beginning, make sure it's things that like, you have purchased with your own money or would purchase with your own money. That's kind of always the gut check I use for any brand deal I do. And I'd say all my creators do the same thing. Like, if you wouldn't pay for it with your own money, like you probably shouldn't be doing that deal anyways. And all creators have is the trust with their community. The second you lose that trust, it literally doesn't matter how many followers you have because they don't care about what you say. They don't care about what you're talking about. Like you're useless to them and a brand if we're talking about monetization here. So just being really cautious of that in the beginning, I think is really important. Yeah. And always, especially in the beginning. Yeah. I feel like just being picky is the biggest thing because again, if you're consistent and you put out good content, like that your, your brand, your own personal brand will grow and you'll end up getting more deals in the long run or whatever. So it's worth it to be picky at the beginning rather than just like, you know, getting a check for like a hundred dollars for a video, you know, for something that you don't like. And I think in the beginning, like you always get the weird brands, you get these like weird one-off things that are some like weird Amazon adjacent brand. Like don't take those deals. Like don't take any of those deals. Be picky. Hold out for the things you're excited about. And I think we, like now there's enough creators and enough people. Like I think communities also understand it more that like they know people are doing sponsored content to like, to get paid and they know who's authentic with it and who isn't. So I think that's like a benefit to the creators that I think it used to be more of a penalty with their communities sometimes if you did too many deals. But now I think there's a little bit more of a general understanding of how that works. Yeah, definitely. I think even, I mean, I just see the difference from a couple of years ago when people like thought 
that sponsored content was so cringe or whatever. And then now every now there's so many people doing it that it's way more normalized. Even just being a full-time creator is way more normalized than back in the day. Yeah. And I, I see a lot of communities like celebrate it. Like I had one creator that did a, um, we had a partnership with um, Nike and Dick Sporting Goods. Her community got so excited when she started talking about that because they knew it was a big deal for her to get like a Nike Dick Sporting Goods deal. That was a thing, knew it was a big one. So it was like a cool moment too, where they weren't like, oh God, she's trying to sell me something. They were like, wow, you got noticed by this brand. And that's an exciting moment, like for you as a creator that we're here to support. Well, I feel like that definitely happens more so when it's a brand that they know that you align with too. Like I remember back in 2021, I started working with Garmin and I remember people, it was like that same reaction where people were so excited for me because yeah, it's a, it was a watch that I've worn for so many years. Like it was nice to finally, you know, be able to work with them and get get a check or whatever. So people like are excited. If it, I feel like if it aligns with your brand um, and you're still making, you know, good content about it and stuff, I feel like that's when it's equally enjoyed from both sides. Like you're, you're getting to work with one of your favorite brands or whatever. And then your followers can see like, I don't know, the excitement about that and get excited for you. People just like passionate people too. So I think yeah. if you're passionate about something and you're able to monetize it, seeing yeah. the passion, um, you know, as a follower, I think is very enjoyable. For sure. They want you to win. That's why they're yeah. following you. They yeah, exactly. You Some people don't want you to win, but. And that's also why they're following you to make yeah. sure you don't. <laughs> exactly. Have you ever gotten like haters on the internet? have I I will say now I'm very lucky that my community is incredibly supportive like I have like nothing but like love and mostly like very I honestly have mostly like young women in my dms which is great and they're wonderful like five or six years ago before I had really any following at all I had written this blog post called what do we deserve and it was this like me too era blog post before me too about like street harassment situations I had experienced which is just like non-physical contact harassment um and the blog post went like viral 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 like literally millions and millions of views it got picked up by time it got picked up by Huffington Post like like, literally was everywhere my face was everywhere like overnight the most overwhelming experience of my life and the amount of hate I got from that blog post was overwhelming I mean like I had death threats. I had people telling me like my opinion, like I didn't deserve to live because of my opinions. Like I'm saying more fame, more problems. This is what happens sometimes. I mean, it got to the point. My mom was like texting me being like, please don't like look at your comment section anymore. I had to turn the comments off. Right. Like she literally was on the phone with me and was like, this is the store you're going to go buy Mace in right now. Like she was freaked out. And I was like, this doesn't mean anything, but it doesn't matter. So that was like a whirlwind of a hurricane where there was a ton of hate. Um, but I've never experienced anything like that again. And I hope I never do because that was scary. Doesn't that like make you wonder what being an actual celebrity is like though? Like I actually don't know how people do it. I would be a terrible celebrity. Me that too. Would... I feel like you have to become so numb to both yeah. sides. Like the this the people the love you and people hating you. I feel like you just become numb. And you have to become, like, it makes sense why they're so isolated because I'm like, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want social media. I wouldn't want, I don't want that many people's opinions of you. Like you, I mean, even now it gets overwhelming when people want to have opinions about things I post. Like I can't, and that's like six opinions, right? I can't imagine. It's like millions of opinions. I'm like, oh, it'd be terrible. I wouldn't have a phone. (laughs) That's like six opinions. Well, yeah, having having someone judge your life is also just like one of the parts of social media that at the beginning, I found it so difficult. I don't think I knew what I was signing myself up for when I started my YouTube channel. Like truly, I just started started it for fun. And then just, yeah, just seeing that people were like, you know, having their opinions about my life and what I was doing. I don't think I was prepared for it mentally. It kind of like drove like, I don't know. It just drove me a little bit insane, I think, because it was getting too much in my head. Well, what's your community like now? Well, now it's great. Now I feel like, and I've also gotten to a point where like, I don't know, I don't, I don't really post controversial stuff on the internet either. But if people have, you know, opinions about the way I live my life or whatever, I feel like I'm just, again, numb to it now because I've been doing it for so long that I'm like, okay, be more creative with your insults, please. You know, Yeah. what I used to get in in the past, I got so many like fat comments, like you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. Because my body has changed a lot from like when I started my YouTube channel. 
And like over the years, just like dealing with all my own body image stuff and just like going through this insane puberty after college, I just got so many like your fat comments. But it got to a point like now if someone like literally calls me fat on the internet, it's just in my head, I'm like, be more creative. Like you're not, that's, you're not doing, that's not doing what you want it to do. Yeah. Because I've already received it so much on the internet. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't really get that much hate anymore, to be honest, because a lot of my stuff doesn't really go viral. It's not like I'm posting insanely viral content anywhere right now so the ones that have gone viral there's been some hate on which is just funny to read you know um but I don't really get affected by it because I think I'm just numb to it at this point so learn how to deal with it which you have to that's you couldn't continue to have a social presence I think if you didn't develop some type of like distance between yourself and your community that's how you that's how you stay in the game yeah exactly Um, I'm gonna ask you another question um you said you don't post controversial stuff is that like with intention that you were like I don't you don't want to go there with anything controversial because you're afraid of backlash or is that just like not how you want to use your channel or or to be honest I don't really think I have that many like controversial opinions like I'm just not really like an opinionated person and I also don't like fighting like I just I don't really even know how to describe it like I don't like um arguing I yeah. don't really have strong opinions on anything, which I honestly wish I kind of had more strong opinions, but I just don't. So I think that's why like, it, I'm not like unintentional. I'm like, yeah, I don't, know, I don't go on the internet and be like, oh, I can't post this. You know, it's too controversial. Yeah. I just don't think there's anything that ever comes to my brain. That's like <laughs> controversial, really. That much. Yeah. Like, I mean, there are definitely parts of my personal life that I'm not posting on the internet for, like you said, you need to pick, you need to yeah. pick what you're going to post on the internet and pick what you're going to keep to your own self. Totally. And there's definitely like aspects that I feel like every creator, you know, keeps to their own self. Some people I see, they're just airing it out all, all on the internet. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that. You know, especially when it comes to like dating stuff, you know, I'll talk about it here and there, but like people will like be spewing so much about their personal dating life on the internet. I'm like, don't like the people that you're dating see this, like, aren't, isn't this going to come back to bite you? Aren't you embarrassed? Aren't like, you? Yeah. Aren't aren't you embarrassed? Well, some of the, yeah, some of the stories. I'm like, it seems like you're the problem in some of these stories. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, I just don't really have anything like that's gonna stir the pot like that that I'm gonna post on the internet. Um, totally yeah. fair. But that honestly, I think it hurts me a little bit because controversy just does so well on the internet. Like, you know, people when they're getting in fights, when they're getting in beef on the internet, it blows up. And so I think I would do a little bit better, you know, if I wanted more followers, I should stir the pot a little bit more, like maybe start some beef with someone, but I don't know who that would be with. And I don't really want to. Okay. <laughs> what some intentional beef plotting. I feel like you could actually do it in a really funny way. That would do well. I used to, there's this uh, other running YouTuber guy, the athlete special. And I talked to him. This was like literally probably like four years ago um, or maybe three years ago, talking with him about starting like fake beef on the internet. Like, it'd be funny to, like, start fake beef, but I don't have any good friends. And, like, no one in the running world is going to want to start fake beef. I already know it, you know? I don't know. I feel like that's actually, like, the antithesis of the running community. I feel like the running community. Everyone's, like, pretty chill. Everyone's, like, good people. It's, like, weird. There's a lot of beef in the running community. I know. Maybe we should start some. Maybe we should start some. I don't know. Maybe you, yeah, maybe you and I have beef after this podcast. (laughs) I'm feeling a little tension right now. Yeah, yeah. A little, I'm feeling a little argumentative, if you will. <laughs> um, no, I feel like one of my main things I just love about being on the internet is just making friends. Even this podcast, like I just love having people come on. Like all the people that I've had on in the running world, like I feel like I'm actually good friends with. So the yeah. last thing I want to do is like, I, I don't know, piss someone off. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I get scared. I get scared. Like if I ever say something like remotely and not bad, but just like, if I ever feel like I offend someone, like it will eat me alive. Oh my God. I have an example of this. I was, and and I feel like maybe this is a good humility moment. While I've said all of these things about things you should and shouldn't say on the internet, like we all still mess up and we get caught up in the moment. And I remember last summer I was like making this, like what I thought was like a little kitschy TikTok. And I basically like reacted to this girl who got proposed to at the end of a marathon which I personally am just not a fan of. Like in my personal life, if I got proposed to at the end of any race or during a race would be my hell. And I made a video 
responding to this girl's engagement, really saying something kind of along those lines. And and it like kind of got viral. And she ended up finding me. She ended up seeing it, first of all, which is wild. Finding me on Instagram, sending me a DM. She had followed me and was like, kind of tore me apart in a totally appropriate way and was like, this was my moment. It's not your moment. Like, I loved it. It's not important for you to like have an opinion on it or like make a like statement out of like my really special moment. Like that really hurt me. And like, I really looked up to you and that just really like, she thought of me differently after that. And I like could not have felt worse. I was like, I am the smallest human alive. I'm a terrible person. She's absolutely right. I'm and I like took it down and sent her this long message that she like never saw because I think she blocked me. But it just like, oh my god, it ate it ate me alive. And it I also- would I I understand that that would eat me alive as well. And that's also probably something I would do. I would one hundred percent post a video like that. Yeah, not thinking she would ever see it. Yeah, and of course she saw it, and now I'm like will never make a reaction video with anybody ever again because I'm so nervous. Well, like one of my controversial opinions is that I don't like running dates. And I posted that on the internet and then some guy that I went on a running with running date with um commented and he was like, Oh, you didn't like our date? And I was like You're like, well, there wasn't a second one. So Yeah, exactly. I was like, No, I didn't actually. I didn't say that, but also running dates suck though. I'm with you on that. That doesn't feel that doesn't feel controversial. Yeah, but some people love him. I guess. Someone's going to respond to this because they met the love of their life on a running date and it's the best thing ever and we're terrible people. Honestly, Godspeed. Like, I hope someone, I hope someone does because I hope someone found the love of their life. Like, would I ever find the love of my life on a running date? No, because I'd probably be like foaming at the mouth and all sweaty and repulsive because I look bad. You know, like, that's the difference. Like, maybe you look amazing. I look terrible. That's, that's why. Yeah. That's why you haven't found the love of your life yet because you're, because I am anti-running date and that's what I need to do now. I thought the love, I wouldn't, I, wow, this is like really changing my mind because I thought that I would for sure not find my love of my life on a running date. But I think the reason that I'm single is because I have sworn off running dates and now I need to get back into it and then I'll meet the love of my life. You're really being closed-minded, Emma. So we're just going to need to get you back out there. Wow. This is really making me think. Just okay. wear your LSKD cutout bra. I'm literally wearing it right now. <laughs> it looks so good. It's Emma's signature look now, I think. I love it. Signature look. (laughs) Signature look. And uh, you'll definitely find the man of your dreams. Okay. Well, I'll keep doing it. Um, Keep me posted. Okay. Of course. (laughs) Um, I feel like, I mean, we covered a lot. um, And I feel like this episode's already gone on longer than I expected. Um, That's so good. We can can wrap it up. Well, I'll wrap it up because I feel like we covered a lot of the stuff that I wanted to talk about. we dropped a lot of good nuggets. Yeah, we, we. I feel like there was a lot of knowledge in this episode. I think so too. Value yeah. added. What value? Value added. We yes. Okay. See, this is why I have the podcast because adding value. Because maybe you guys got something out of this. We hope so. Um. Okay. Well, one last question I have for you is, uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? I'd say make more decisions based on what I want to do rather than what I think other people want me to do real real recovering people pleaser here and I think I'm 32 today and I feel like I'm just stepping into really owning my own decisions and I wish I had more confidence to do that sooner that's good advice what are you celebrating how are you celebrating your birthday today um going doing like a little neighborhood bar restaurant crawl with a couple girlfriends tonight Oh, that's so fun. A long list of places I want to go try. So I was like, we're just going to do like a drink and an app at a few different ones. Oh, that's so fun. That, fun? Makes me list- that makes me miss living in New York. Like just going to a couple of different areas and trying. There's so many different restaurants. There's so I mean, I'm, I live in Greenpoint and I've like been to a lot of them and I still have an endless amount. And that's like one tiny little neighborhood. It's insane. Yeah. Jeez. So. Well, have fun. I'm sure that will be a good time. Um, and I'm happy that you took the time on your birthday to come on the podcast. So that's exciting. Thank you for doing that. This was so fun. This was yeah. perfect. Now we're um, going to change and go to the wine bar now. So it's great timing. There you go. Uh, where can people follow you at if they want to check out your stuff? You can follow me um, at Aaron.k.bailey. 
And then if you want to check out the agency and stay in touch with what the agency's doing, it's just momentum.management. And yeah, love that. All right, Aaron. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, enjoy the rest of your birthday, but can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Peace out, fellas. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode with Aaron on her birthday. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. There's a lot of good nuggets of wisdom in there, so hopefully you guys got to take something from this episode. If you are looking to be a creator at all, I feel like there was some good. There's some good advice in there. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Combos Over Cold Brew Pod and leave a review. I love, love, love reading you guys' reviews on Apple Podcasts or leave me a five-star review on Spotify. You know the drill. All right, I will catch you all next week. Peace out, fellas. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.